Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, and I can just see her filled with emotion. She yearned with compassion for her son, and she said, Oh Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, No, let him neither live, let him neither be mine nor yours, but divide him in half. And so the king answered and says, Give the woman who uh, the, the give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. This, in itself, is a remarkable testimony to the goodness and generosity of Solomon. Not many kings would take the time to settle a dispute between two prostitutes. Their dispute involved one dead son and one living son, and who the living son belonged to. Solomon said, Bring me a sword. The wisdom of his approach was only understood when the matter was settled. Solomon knew that the offer to cut the child in two would reveal the true mother, and he rewarded the mother's love accordingly. Now let's join Pastor Rob. Oh my goodness, there's, uh, time is flying by here. I would encourage you to read all of Proverbs chapter 9. Put that in your, in your Bible. Put that in your Bible, excuse me. But what we need today are leaders filled with wisdom, because not those who just have a head filled with knowledge, but those who have wisdom, because wisdom, or excuse me, knowledge is not good enough, and that's what Solomon asked for. I want to be a man of understanding. I want to have wisdom. Many people can have knowledge. You can read, any, anybody can read a book and gain knowledge, but wisdom is something completely altogether different. Knowledge... Um, uh, anyone can have a lot of knowledge, but knowledge that is obtained by truth and in the truth is especially valuable because wisdom is a gift from God and it is how one uses knowledge. I can have all the knowledge, but how to apply that knowledge, I need wisdom from God and how to do that. And we're going to see an example of that before we take communion. I know I'm going... Uh, on the verge of going too long here. But notice in verse 13, he says, And I have also given you what you've not asked for, riches and honor, so that there shall be not anyone like you among all the kings all your days. And so notice, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes, uh, Solomon, and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. That is what we call a conditional promise. There's a condition. Whenever you see if, And then, those two words, that's a condition. If you do this, then I will do this. Now, God has given so many unconditional promises that have nothing to do with our performance. He told Abraham in Genesis 15, Abraham, and it was an unconditional promise, this is what I'm going to do in your life and through your seed, period. And then he put him to sleep. (laughs) Probably a good thing. You're going to take a nap now. I'm going to make this covenant 
between you and I, and I'm going to be the one who's going to walk through those pieces. I'm going to make that blood, that covenant, that blood covenant. I'm going to make it, God says. You're going to be asleep. I'm not, you're not having anything to do with it. Unconditional promises. But this is not one of those. It's a conditional promise. And because of Solomon's disobedience, notice he died before reaching his 70th birthday. So then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And I'd have you underline or circle this verse here because notice what happened. Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And notice, he was in Gibeon, about seven miles northwest of Jerusalem. He wakes up from there, and then he comes to Jerusalem. So he comes back down south to Jerusalem, and he stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And notice what he did. He offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings, and made a feast to all of his servants. Notice that he left Gibeon, this place of um, idolatry that God didn't want him to worship. And yet he sacrificed a thousand animals at that altar. And God didn't you know, beat him up over it. But after that meeting with God, what does he do? He comes right back to Jerusalem, where the Ark of the Covenant is, and where the other altar and the other things there that David had put in the tabernacle that he had erected for it, and he worshiped there. And from that moment onward, that would be where he would worship. It just set him back on, 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 on his way. Now, let's look at verse 16 through the rest of the chapter. And this is just a quick... Um, demonstration of what God had said. Remember, he said, I've already placed this within you, Solomon. And I love that because I believe that when God saves you, he places everything within you that he is, he, everything that you need is, is, is there. And he's just, he's going to operate on it when he sees fit. And as our faith grows, he's going to, he's given us everything, folks. Don't you think that's wonderful? I think that's wonderful. He's given you everything. It's like a seed that's just germinating there, waiting for the right moment. And he's, he, he planted that seed there. And now he's going to put it into action. So, verse 16. We're just going to read this through and then we'll take communion. Notice, now two women who are harlots, think of that. Two prostitutes come before the king. Wow. And they came to the king and they stood before him. And the one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house. And I gave birth while she was in the house. And then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And here we are together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So the one woman rolled over on her son in the middle of the night, smothered him and killed him. And so she arose in the middle of the night and she took my my son from my side, and while your maidservant slept and, and, and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom, and when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not the son who I had born. She knew instinctively a mother knows when she sees her child. And when I arose, uh, okay, I read that, um, verse 22. So then the other woman said, no. But the living son is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. And thus they spoke before the king. Can you understand the dilemma is here? One person's word against another person's word. And they both are pretty uh, sketchy individuals. And now it's just word against word, word against word. What do you do in a situation like that? Well, that's when wisdom comes. Hmm. And the king said... This one says, 
This is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, No, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought the king a sword a sword before the king, and, he, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. And then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king. And I can imagine her, at this point, her chest is heaving with emotion, thinking to herself, I know that that's my son, but in order to fix this dilemma, the king's going to cut my son in, in half and give, and the child's dead. What good is a half a child dead to me? And the real mother does the unthinkable. But any one of you probably would have done it as well. All you mothers, I love this instinct that God has given you, this maternal instinct. It is so wonderful. It is such a wonderful gift. Never, ever think twice about it. When, when you get a funny feeling in your gut about something, and when it comes to your child, you listen to that. I've seen my wife do that, and God just, he, he, it's, it's a mystery to me. And I'm, I don't have... You know, the X, you know, I'm not an X chromosome. I got an XY chromosome. And, and I'm going, why, why, why? And, and God is doing all this stuff in her. And I'm, I'm blown away by what the, the instinct that, that God gives to women. So divide the child with a, with a sword. Give one half to her and one half to her. End of subject. Next case. Right? <laughs> then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, and I can just see her filled with emotion. She yearned with compassion for her son, and she said, Oh Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, No, let him neither live, you know, let him neither be mine nor yours, but divide him in half. And so the king answered and says, Give the woman who, uh, the, the, give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king. They reverenced him, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. And this is what is so beautiful. The natural inclination, the natural maternal, maternal instinct of a woman comes out, and Solomon says, that's the woman whose, whose child it is. She's willing to give up her son to not have him killed. Isn't that the greatest thing? Isn't that an act of worship, really? That's huge. She may never see that son again. She's willing to give him up and, and rather than have him be killed and not have him. She would rather give him to a, this other woman and have some other woman raise her child. Think about that. I mean, when you read that, ladies, put yourself in that story. It's not a story. It's a real, this really happened. So put yourself in the middle of it and think about how you would feel and think about the response. See, sometimes when we think of decisions that have to be made, usually, and, and some people will do this, and be on your guard about this, because one of the things I'm learning about life and making decisions is sometimes somebody will come to you and say, we've got to do this or we've got to do that. And the Lord always encourages me to say, well, why, have you thought about a third option? Or a fourth option. But see, when people present to you this or that, you feel compelled to make a decision on one of those two things. And that's how they get you. But oftentimes, there's another door. I'll take door number three. What's behind door number three? Well, you get an all-expenses-paid trip to the Barbados and, you know, three nights and, you know. I'll take door number three. 
Because door number three is probably the answer. This was door number three. And I love that. See, that's wisdom in action. And that's what we need, folks. That's what we need. When's the last time you prayed for wisdom? I mean, seriously. I, I would you know, be willing to say that many of us in this room haven't prayed for wisdom specifically maybe in a while. Maybe you have. But I would encourage you to pray for wisdom. Because you can gain all the knowledge in the world and it will not be enough. And I can tell you, as the pastor of this church, there have been times where I, I don't have it. Most of the time, honestly, I don't have it. I don't have it. And then God gives me wisdom about something. And it goes way beyond my knowledge. And it has to be that way. And I'm no different than you. You need that as well. Pray for for God to give you wisdom, to give you discernment in every situation that you're going to face today. Pray that in the morning when you get up. Lord, give me wisdom today beyond my training, beyond my experience, beyond my emotions, especially beyond the emotions. Give me wisdom discernment and wisdom beyond all of these things because I cannot live without it. I can't live with just what I know. I can't do it. And maybe you'll hobble along for a while on that earthly wisdom, but there's going to come a point where you really need wisdom from on high. And it's going to make a big deal. It's going to make a big difference. And it's going to have a difference in your life and in other people's lives based on how you respond to this situation. Are you going to do it in your, in your own power, in your own wisdom, your worldly wisdom? Or are you going to rely upon the wisdom of God and escape the snare that would be coming after you if you went your way instead of God's way? It happens all the time. It's happening in Washington, D.C. It's happening everywhere. That's why we need pray for your leaders and all everybody in authority. Paul tells us that. Pray for those in authority that God will give them wisdom. Wisdom from God. Not what they learned in Harvard or Oxford or Cambridge or Yale, but the, the wisdom that is unlearned from any of those things. All they can teach you is knowledge. But what I think many colleges are failing today is they're not teach they're not concerned about wisdom you're just spitting out numbers you're just spitting out what you've learned in a book well how do you think how do you appropriate this stuff that you're learning they don't teach that that's a big problem <laughs> and we wonder why everything's such a mess wisdom from god changes things and so as sarah comes up and leads us in worship Let's pray for that. I would encourage you tonight and tomorrow morning, just pray and say, God, give me the wisdom from on high. And read this over again and look at those passages that I had you write down and check those things out. And be encouraged because the Lord loves you, folks. And he loves me. And I, I, can't, I can't, I'm so excited about that, that he knows all my fail, failures and all my sin that I've ever committed. He knows yours too, and yet He loves you. He called you out of darkness when you were in darkness. And just like Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, Jeremiah. I knew you. And I've ordained you to be a prophet of the nations, among the nations. I love God for that, don't you? Let Him just encourage you tonight. 
In three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it gives us the account of when Jesus was in the upper room in what we call the Last Supper, where Jesus instituted the, um, uh, the bread and the cup, signifying his body and blood on the cross. And um, you recall that Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you, and it certainly would be broken. You know, when you think about all he went through. But yet the Bible says that not one bone of his was broken, but yet his skin and his muscles were torn as they abused him in the praetorium before he would come. And, and that's why he fainted literally on the Via Dolorosa, on the road to the cross, as they took that beam and they, they, they made him carry the, the uh, patibulum, I think is what it's called, and they and it was probably over close to a hundred pound weight of wood, and Jesus being so faint, and yet despite the physical sufferings, I want to encourage you that it was what happened that nobody could see. Don't want to miscount the torture that he went through; it was horrible. But many people throughout history have been crucified. Thousands of people have been crucified. Tens of thousands. But one thing that Jesus did that none of them ever could even attempt to do is to take the sin of the world upon themselves and then to have God, literally God the Father, forsook his Son on the cross for a time. And that's why Jesus would cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, It was no mistake. Jesus knew what he was doing. And he knew he was actually doing a number of things. It was a real emotion from his heart. But he was also pointing people to Psalm 22, I believe, to encourage them that, hey, this is no mistake. This was prophesied a thousand years prior to my birth. This event that I'm going through now was prophesied to the point of even crucifixion. They pierced my hands and my feet when crucifixion hadn't even been invented yet. And Jesus' body was broken for us. And so when we take this, we acknowledge that. And we do this, and we remember the Lord's death until he comes. We remember what he did for us. And these tokens are nothing mystical about them. We don't do some kind of hocus-pocus and it becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus. No, these are tokens Jesus told us that. That was the case. And so let's take the bread and remembering his body broken for us. And then that same night, you remember, he passed around the cup as well. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, the new testament of my blood. And I love that Jesus had the chalice, the, uh, that goblet or whatever it was, the holy grail, <laughs> we call it. And he passed it around. Can you imagine doing that a couple years ago during the middle of COVID in a big service, which most of it was online, you know, passing around a cup. Everybody just take a sip and pass it, you know, wipe the rim and pass it around. That's what they did that night. Of course, there's only 11 of them. But his blood, he already says, this is the blood of, the new, of, of my blood, the new covenant, the new testament of my blood, And in Jesus' heart, he had already done it. Even before he went to Pilate, remember, and I I don't mean to drag this out, but I just want you to understand something really interesting. When he stood before Pilate, Pilate was willing to let him go. 
And do you think Jesus was wringing his hands going, don't let me go, don't let me go. And he's like, I see nothing wrong with this man. You've brought all these charges, and Pilate knew that they delivered him up because of envy, and he had the power to let him go. But because he was a man-pleaser, he chose rather to appease the Jews, appease those who hated Jesus, and deliver him, which was against the law. We looked at that last Sunday. You cannot deliver an uncondemned man to be put to death. That was against all the laws of the land at that day. And yet he did it. He was culpable. And Jesus knew that it would happen anyway. Even though Pilate was like, I'm, I wash my hands of this and I, I see nothing wrong with this man. Jesus wasn't thinking to himself, oh, he's going to let me go. Now all the prophecies that have been fulfilled aren't going to come to pass. He wasn't even worried about it. You know why? Because he knew in advance. And he knew. He knows. He didn't make Pilate do it. Pilate did it of his own volition. But he did it for us. And that's why we take the cup. But notice he did it even before it actually happened. See, the power of a testament is not enabled until the death of the testator. Your will, your will that you have, your last testament and will, does not get applied and put into action until you die. And Jesus, before he went to the cross, said, Take this, this is the blood of the new covenant. Because in his heart, it was already a done deal. And God the Father knew that too. How great is your God? Isn't he wonderful? Let's take the cup. Praise the Lord. It was such a joy to um, be with you all tonight and just to share in the word. Loved it. And thank you, Sarah, for what a wonderful worship we had. And if you could, please, when you leave tonight after we pray, if you could just toss these in the cans next to the doors on your way out, that'd be really wonderful. And uh, let's stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. And um, Lord, I think as we have read through this third chapter of Kings, Lord, it, Lord, it... Um, It stirs up within me, Lord, how often I have prayed for wisdom. And, Lord, I would be honest in saying that it's not something I do every day, although I should, Lord, (laughs) because I need it. And I know all of us here in this room need that, Lord. Would you put upon our hearts to, to be more purposeful in the things that we pray for daily? Lord, to pray for wisdom, to pray for opportunities to share the gospel with people around us in our workplace, wherever we're at, Lord, and to be purposeful in the things that we do. And so, Lord, bless my friends here, Lord, these people that belong to you and I belong to you, Lord. Would you bless us all tonight and protect us, Lord? Would you heal us, heal us of things we're not even aware of, Jesus, and even things that we are aware of. Would you please heal us and and just heal our hearts, our, our minds, our bodies, our spirit, Lord, everything about us. Would you just dip us, dip us in your just wonderful grace, And just purify everything in us, Lord, our minds, our bodies, everything, and just cleanse us, Lord. And help us, in spite of anything that happens, Lord, to trust you and to love you in the midst of it, knowing that you'll be with us through all things. We love you, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.